Talk about all things related to running and really great food. Hello and welcome to the Up and Running Podcast. My name is Paul Ventura and I am your host. So today we're going to be focusing on the topic of running for time and not for distance. And running for time and not for distance is a very simple to implement concept for beginners and also for veteran runners. Um, So Either one, either group can use this concept. Uh, If you Google this, it's very easy to find quite a few articles on this concept. And personally, this is something that I learned when I was a beginner in the sport of running 28 years ago. It was actually something my high school coach implemented with the entire team, and that's how I was exposed to it. So let me define what running for time and not for distance is. Running for time is very simply just that. You're setting a predefined amount of time or a time goal that you're going to go out and actually run for. So for our purposes of our discussion today, we're going to use the time goal of 20 minutes just because that's a very easy to work with goal time. So why run for time and not for distance? There's a lot of reasons. But let's talk about it from the beginner's perspective. So when you're new to running, the last thing that you want to do is set a mileage goal for yourself because setting up a mileage goal can sound daunting. And what we don't want is to set something that sounds so difficult to do that we set ourselves up for failure. So for example, if you're new to the sport of running and you say to yourself, you know what, this Saturday morning I'm going to wake up and I'm going to go and I'm going to run three miles. Uh, Well, if you've never actually done that before, um, you might actually get to Saturday morning, put your running shoes on, get yourself all ready, and then head out the door, start your actual run. And then about half a mile into the run, you might feel like this is actually a huge lofty goal and there's no way I'm going to make it to running three miles and how in the world did I even come up with that as a, as a goal. So to not set ourselves up for failure um, really early on and so that we stay motivated and we actually get into the sport of running and continue with it, we want to set realistic goals. So on that note... 20 minutes, for example, is a great way to start. So what you do is you set yourself a goal of, I'm going to run for 20 minutes. Now, when you pick your time goal, pick a time goal that you realistically feel and that you're pretty confident that you could pretty much run that entire 20 minutes without walking and without stopping. So now, how fast should you run? Well, so you want to run faster than a jogging pace, but not so fast that you won't actually finish the 20 minutes, that you won't actually be able to run that entire 20 minutes. Now, bear in mind, 
once you get started into this 20-minute goal time and you're actually running, if you do have to stop or walk, that's okay. It's all right. But what's important is that you take note of when you did that. So you're going to want to definitely have a watch, a stopwatch, uh, or maybe your cell phone, because every cell phone now has a clock on it and a stopwatch feature. So you're definitely going to want to have some way of keeping track of your time when you go and do this. Um, so if you're outdoors, for example, and maybe you're running in a, in a public park setting and there's a clock, for example, that you can see, that's fine, as long as you have some way of keeping track of your time. So now let's imagine that you've started, right? You've set your goal, you've set your stopwatch, and now you're starting to run. So very soon into that run, now this will vary with each individual, your body is going to go through some changes, some physiologic changes uh, to the fact that you're actually putting it through some stress, right? So when you actually start putting your body through some stress, like running, you're going to feel uncomfortable. And for everybody, like I mentioned, that's going to be a little bit different depending on your, your level of fitness at this point. Now, you might be someone who cycles and does spin classes, or you might be someone who does yoga, or maybe you swim, or maybe you do some other sports, and now you've decided you want to pick up the sport of running. Running is going to work completely different muscle groups than any of the sports I just mentioned, so, and you're going to feel that. So you're going to feel your hamstrings, your calves, your quads, your glutes. You're going to feel your arms as they swing back and forth. You're going to feel the weight of your arms, uh, maybe like you've never felt before. And then the probably the most significant thing you're going to feel is that you're breathing um, and that you're having to breathe a lot more than maybe you anticipated just to, just to keep moving forward, just to keep it going. That's all completely normal. Everyone who starts in the sport of running goes through that feeling. The main thing is that when you do first start feeling a little bit uncomfortable, you don't want to focus on that. Think about something else. If you're listening to music while you're out on this run, think about that song. Maybe change the song, put it on something that's a bit more upbeat. Whatever it takes to take your mind away from how you're feeling uncomfortable to just putting one foot in front of the other and keep moving forward, okay? That's the most important thing to do. Now, if you have to stop at some point, what you definitely want to do is record when that happens. So over the course of that 20-minute run, for example, if it's 10 minutes in, you want to mark in your mind, remember it, okay, at 10 minutes, I had to walk. And then go ahead and walk. Walk for 30 seconds. If you need a minute, walk for a full minute. If you need a little bit more than a minute, you went out too fast. You went out too fast for your 20-minute run. So when you get back to running again, when you resume running, slow down just a little bit. Slow down. Because remember, the ultimate goal is to try to run as best you can for that full 20 minutes at a pace that's suitable for you. Okay, so now you've completed your run. You're done. What's the very first thing you should do? You should celebrate. Yep, that's right. 
If you have your camera phone, take that thing out, flip it around, point it at yourself and take a selfie. Take a few selfies and send that picture to all your friends and show them what you did because that's a big deal, right? Because they didn't do it, you did it. So I'm a big believer that we all need milestones along the way, no matter what we're trying to accomplish. So absolutely celebrate that. Make it known to your friends that you just did that. Now, the other thing that you should do when you get back to your your home, if you're on the road and you're traveling for work and you're out for a run and doing this goal time, go back to your hotel room and record all this stuff. Record when it was that you felt like this was a little tough where you had to stop and for how long you had to stop. And if you walked, you know, write down how long you walked. And then also take note of when you started back up again on the run, um, you know, how much did you slow your pace down? Was it significantly slower than when you started? Or was it just slightly slower than when you first started? So these are all important things because for you, what it will do is it'll help monitor your progress. So a month Later, when you look back at what you recorded, you can see your progress. And that's always uh, very good for us to do, to look back. Uh, Now, how else can you record? Well, there's a lot of free apps out there that are great for tracking runs. Map My Run is one of them. Um, You can download it for free. Um, It'll allow you to record notes. You can use your uh, Note app on your, if you have an iPhone, for example, and you can record things there. You can also use Strava. So Strava is a really great free app that does a whole lot more than just allow you to record some notes from a particular run, and we'll cover that on another episode. Uh, But I'm just giving you some tips on how you can record these things right away. Uh, and then there's another free app called Runtastic. Um, it's actually an Austrian-based company, um, and they have a really nice app as well that can track your runs. And you also have some, some free-flowing text areas where you can add some comments. So, you know, like some of the examples of things that I record, I record how I felt on the run. If I felt like it was a little difficult or labored, I record how I felt, and what time in the run that that happened. I also record things like what the weather was like, some of the things I might have seen on the run. Um, These are all things that, like when I look back, let's say it's a few months down the road, I just like to look at those things. It helps me monitor my progress. So there's some tips for you as well. So what happens if you didn't make it? to your goal time. You know, you set us a time for 20 minutes to run, but you didn't actually get all the way to the 20 minutes. What do you do then? Well, the first thing that you should do is, number one, don't be down about it. Don't be, uh, you know, upset that you didn't make it all the way because the fact of the matter is, is that you took that very first step into becoming a runner, and you're on your journey to doing that. Because again, we all started there. Um, But what you want to do is next time you go out for a run, you're going to keep the same goal time. You're not going to change it. 
You're not going to add to the goal time. You're going to keep it the same. And then the tip to take away is you want to start your run a little bit slower than you did this time where you weren't able to finish. And then keeping in mind that your ultimate goal is to run the entire time until you get to your 20 minutes. So the other scenario is you set a goal time of 20 minutes and you went out and you ran that entire time. You really didn't have much of an issue getting to the 20-minute goal. So what do you do then knowing that the 20-minute goal was something that you were able to accomplish? For you, what you'll do is you're going to add more time for your next run. So instead of 20 minutes, take it up five minutes, make it 25 minutes total. And go out for the same pace and then see if you can actually run the entire 25 minutes at that same pace. If you are able to run that for the same pace, then you have a couple choices. For your next run after that, you can add an additional five minutes and take it all the way to 30 minutes. So you're looking at a goal time of a half hour and run the same paces, the same pace that you have been successfully running so far. Or you can keep it at 25 minutes, for example, and increase your pace, go faster. Okay, you can actually... Uh, basically just run at a more uh, a faster pace that will push you more and what that's going to do is build endurance so all of this is building endurance but if you're able to increase the intensity of your workout over the same time frame then you are building endurance faster over time in summary running for time and not for distance is really a great tool. It's something that beginning runners can utilize and it's also something veteran runners can utilize if they want to increase the intensity of their workouts, maintain their current endurance levels, or also improve them. Um, And So you'll see um, this is something used widely with cross-country teams, Mainly, mainly cross-country teams because that's your distance running. That's, uh, you know, it's not sprints. So you see it a lot in, in cross-country, both in high school programs and at the collegiate level. Uh, I utilize this same concept at the collegiate level. Now, the next time you go out for a run, use this concept, running for time and not for distance. Doing this is great because it takes the pressure off. And you don't have expectation there. Sometimes setting a goal, say, hey, I'm going to go out and run for two miles, is tough, right? It sounds really big. So if you can break that down and say, I'm going to run for 20 minutes, you're going to be a lot more likely to meet that goal and then actually want to do it over and over again. Because ultimately, what you want to do is build confidence in yourself that you can complete the goal. So the other really great thing about running for time and not for distance is it's really flexible. So let's say that you want to go out for a run and you might not actually know where you're going to go. Running for time, 
you can go anywhere. You can go to a park and run loops. You might be traveling for work and be in a city that you don't know very well and are unfamiliar with. Well, you really don't have to worry too much about what streets you're going to turn on or whatnot. Essentially, you could go out for 10 minutes and come back to 10 minutes, right back to your starting point. So it really takes that off your mind as well as where am I going to go? I don't know the route. I don't know where I'm at. So it gives you that flexibility as well. So I hope that this discussion has been helpful for you and that now you're more familiar with running for time and not for distance. And when you hear that, if you hear people talking about it or you read about it, you'll know exactly what that means because you're doing it. So now we're going to talk about a topic that everybody loves, and that's really great food in a segment I like to call That's Crazy Good. Yes, that's right. So in episode one of the Up and Running podcast, I talked about how I'm going to be featuring some really great food that I've had a chance to try. Uh, I travel for my job, so I have that opportunity. And as a runner, I'm sure you feel the same way. After a run, you just really build up a big appetite. And so the plus is uh, I get to eat kind of whatever I want to eat because I'm going to run it off anyways. So I had the opportunity this week to travel to Las Vegas, Nevada, and try Hattie B's Hot Chicken. So for those of you who have been there before or have traveled to their original location, which is in Nashville, Tennessee, um, you already know what I'm talking about. But for those who haven't tried Hattie B's, a little bit of background on them. They're a privately owned company uh, founded by a father and son named Nick Bishop Sr. and Nick Bishop Jr. And as I mentioned before, they're based out of Nashville, Tennessee. They have six locations across the U.S. Currently, there's three in Nashville. There's one in Birmingham, Alabama, one in Memphis, Tennessee, Atlanta, and Las Vegas, as I mentioned before. So what's so great about Hattie B's? Well, they make outstanding chicken. So if you're a fried chicken fan, then you're going to love this place. So what really makes them stand out is that they have a really spicy or not spicy version of their chicken. And so they, they serve regular chicken. So if you like white chicken, they serve that. They serve dark chicken. They also serve a half bird. They also serve chicken tenders. And then they also serve what I had, which was the hot chicken sandwich. And just to give you an idea of what that's like, it's chicken breast. It's topped by coleslaw. Yes, the chicken breast is topped with coleslaw. And then they add their original proprietary Nashville comeback sauce. Gotta love that name. Then they top it with a kosher pickle, and it's served with a side. And I happen to get the potato salad. But some of the other sides they offer are southern greens, crinkle-cut fries, pimento mac and cheese, creamy coleslaw, 
the potatoes that I mentioned, which are the red skin potato salad. And they also offer an a la carte side. So any one of those, just a la carte. Um, so let me tell you about the heat levels of their Nashville comeback sauce. So they make their stuff really hot, okay? So you can actually get it, uh, their chicken with no heat and you would order it as Southern. That's what you call it. You call it Southern. And when you tell the folks there, they'll know, oh, that means no heat. Um, or you can get a mild, medium, hot, or as they call it, damn hot. So, you know, have some water around, have something to drink because uh, it's, it's hot. As someone there uh, who was enjoying their chicken, I actually asked them, I said, hey, how is that? This is before I got my chicken sandwich delivered to me. And that person said, it's got something to say. So how was my chicken sandwich? It was awesome. I mean, it was crazy good. It, it was kind of messy, which was okay. So I did have a lot of napkins, uh, and it was hot, so it did make my nose run. But I really enjoyed it. The, the chicken breast was crisp to the bite. It was tender on the inside. It was juicy. And then there was that unique uh, flavor mix with the coleslaw that was on top. Um, so I highly recommend it. If you're in Las Vegas, uh, it's in the Cosmopolitan Hotel. It's over in their food court area. That's where you find Hattie B's. And if you're in Nashville, of course, they have three locations there. So check them out. If you want to learn more about Hattie B's chicken, you can go to HattieB.com. And I also have pictures of the chicken sandwich that I had, as well as the menus. Um, So I took some pictures of that. And you can find that on my Instagram page. So check that out. And you'll find me at runwitpaul, R-U-N-W-I-T-P-A-U-L. I hope you enjoyed my segment on Hattie B's. And I hope that you'll join me again on the next episode of the Up and Running podcast. And remember, please subscribe to the podcast. You'll get instant notifications for every new episode automatically. And you can look forward to more segments on some really great food. And of course, we'll be talking a lot more about the greatest sport, running. Thanks and have a great run.